I'd like to welcome each of them that's joined us this morning. Um, the year was 1809. The world was in an upheaval. Napoleon was sweeping through Austria, and soldiers from many countries were dying on the battlefield. The fate of entire kingdoms and nations hung in the balance, and the world seemed on the very edge of collapse. It was 1809. And in that same year, several significant people were born. In Britain, there was William Gladstone. He was destined to become one of England's finest statements. And Alfred Lord Tennyson, one of the great authors of his day. He was born to an obscure preacher and wife. In the U.S. in 1809, Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge. Not far away in Boston, Edgar Allan Poe began his eventful, albeit tragic, life. It was also in that same year that the wife of a physician named Darwin gave birth to their child and named him Charles Robert. And that same year produced the cries of a newborn infant in a rugged cabin in Kentucky. The baby's name was Abraham Lincoln. If there had been a news broadcast back in that day of 1809, these words could have been heard. The destiny of the world is being shaped on an Austrian battlefield today. But history was actually being shaped in the cradles of England and America also. Every age has its dangers. Eventually, every nation faces difficulties. Even today in the U.S., which we still view as one of the greatest nations that has ever existed on the face of the earth, even here in the U.S., we're concerned with financial problems, international terrorism, and political uncertainty. Every nation, sooner or later, will face threats and perils that will make them believe that the destiny of the world is being shaped by that day's events. And they will see their future as bleak, as dark, and as hopeless. And yet, in every age, the birth of a child can make a significant impact on the destiny to come. Back in the days of Isaiah, the world looked dark. It definitely looked bleak and hopeless. The nation of Israel had turned their back on God. And God, in his turn, had turned his back on them. To punish them, God was bringing a nation from the north named Assyria, and that nation was going to sweep down upon them like a flood tide and wash over them in vengeance. Our text this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. Isaiah said that God told him and every other person who would listen these words, starting in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me, 
And he warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It was definitely going to be a time of darkness, a time of hopelessness. But just a few verses later, God said that there will be a time of hope, a time of light brought by the birth of a child. I'd like to now move to Isaiah 9 and 2. Isaiah 9 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dealt in a land of deep darkness, on them was light shone. Yes, Israel, who had walked in darkness, Yes, Israel, who had been living in the land of the shadow of death, there would be hope. Then let's drop to verse 6 of Isaiah 9. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be without his shoulder. And the name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A counselor is what I like to focus on this morning. A, a counselor is someone that we listen to. Someone who gives us guidance or advice on things you think are important. That person becomes your counselor. And a person will listen to the advice of all kinds of counselors in their life. Some listen to talk show host Rush Limbaugh. Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, Oprah Winfrey, Dan Rather. Folks will listen to political analysis, religious leaders, comedians, actors, singers, our own doctors, and the list goes on and on. If those people whom they listen to say it, then it's got to be true. I remember years ago, people would say it was the world according to Oprah. And everybody would tune in to see, you know, what her advice was for that day. These individuals are so influential that many will form their opinions based upon what these so-called counselors say. Whoever you listen to becomes your counselor. A newspaper columnist and counselor, George Crane. So there was a wife who comes into his office full of hatred toward her husband. I not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. Well, Dr. Crane thought about that for a couple of moments. And then he suggested this plan. He says, go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait that he has. Go out of your way to be kind and considerate and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. And after you've convinced them of your undying love 
and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're giving him a divorce. That will really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, oh, that's a beautiful idea. Boy, will he be surprised. And she did that with enthusiasm. For two months, she acted as if she loved him. She was kind to him. She listened to him. She was constantly giving, reinforcing. She was sharing. Two months went by, and the counselor waited, but she didn't return. So he called her. Are you ready now to go through with the divorce? Divorce, she exclaimed. Never. I discovered how much I really love him. So a counselor could be someone that you listen to, someone you accept advice from. The problem back in our text for Israel is that they got into the habit of listening to the wrong counselors. Isaiah 9, verse 19. Through the wrath of God of hosts, the land is scorched. And the people are like fuel for the fire, and no one spares another. There were men in Israel who were giving people bad advice. These men were advising Israelites to listen to someone other than God. Mediums or spirits or folks that said that they could talk to the dead. Apparently, these men were trusted enough by the people to be taken seriously. And because Israel listened to these types of counselors, their nation was going to suffer terribly. And so God was giving a warning to his people. He says to them, you're walking in darkness. You're walking in the shadow of death. Because you've listened to the wrong counselors. But rejoice because unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is given and he's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be someone you can listen to and know that his advice is right. You'll be able to stake your life on what he tells you. No, no mortal man or woman is going to be able, pardon me, or be capable of giving advice as good as his. Now, I don't want you to get the impression that I'm saying you are not able to take advice from individuals. Obviously, we take advice from what we call specialists, from doctors. My wife going through her rehab and her, uh, you know, rehabilitating her um, total shoulder replacement. Obviously, she has to follow the advice. Uh, it's kind of scared me when, you know, the doctor, last time she saw me, he says, well, I got to make sure you're not doing too much because I don't want the, the bones to, you know, come apart or, or the, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, or that joint to pop open. And, you know, you think about what could happen. So we do have people that we get advice from. But what does Proverbs 15 and 22 tell us? Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. A wise person is someone who listens to many counselors. A wise person heeds the advice of people that he can trust. A wise Christian seeks the advice 
of the elders, whether it be the elders of the congregation, people that are elderly, that have gone through the years and the experiences, strong people. We know that Paul, when he was teaching Timothy, talked about how we need to be more than just babes and sucklings, that we have to study from God's word, that be mature, and that we are able to take of the strong meat, that we could guide others. And we as Christians should be always striving towards that. And there's individuals that maybe are stronger, that are you know, that more mature, that we can get advice from. So a wise Christian seeks advice from elders. A wise child looks to the parents for advice. A wise husband talks things over with their wife. I'm pausing there for a moment. I think most of us agree with that, the men. And a wise woman listens to the counselor of her husband. There are many skilled and trained counselors that can help you with your finances, with your marriage, maybe with guilt. No matter what issue you need help with, there are people that have been trained to help you. Counselors who sincerely want to help you. But no matter how good the advice from these folks is, they're still only mortal beings. Their counsel can only accomplish so much in your life. A real rehabilitation counselor took an early retirement to spend the rest of his life preaching. And one day, while addressing an audience, he told of how early in his career, he found a young boy with several birth defects. He arranged financial and medical help for this boy. Skilled surgeons restored the child's ability to speak and walk, and they repaired the child's facial appearance. By his teens, the boy was able to take part in many of the activities that the other young people partook in. Addressing his crowd, the retired counselor said, what do you think has become of this young man? Well, one guessed that since this young boy had overcome such physical defects and deformities, he may have dedicated himself to becoming a great athlete. Someone else thought that since his life had been changed by medical doctors, that maybe he'd become a skilled surgeon. No, none of these, the retired counselor said, sadly. He said the young man is a prisoner. He is serving a life sentence for murder. We were able to restore his physical features, his ability to walk, his ability to act. But we failed to teach him where to walk and how to act. I was successful in helping the boy physically, but I failed to help him spiritually. From that day on, I have determined to use the rest of my life to help people direct direct their steps and to direct their actions towards glorifying God. You see, there are many good counselors in the world, but none can compare to the wonderful counselor that was born, that God sent his son to be a counselor for each and every one. You know, we view Jesus as God's son, as one who led, but we know in the words back in Isaiah 
that he was a counselor. When I think that in mind, you know, people, we always say to study your Bibles and, and to study. I know as a teacher, I used to say study for the test. I know many individuals did. I know there was others that said, oh, I know everything. And, you know, I don't need to study for that test. Sadly in life, how many times we know that we need to study from God's word. Why? There will be people that would say, well, I don't have to read that book. I know what I need to do. You know, I'm going to live my life to the fullest the way I want to live it. But yet we look at God giving this great counselor, a counselor that leads us to God. What would Jesus' own words say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father except through me. We know that if you know me, you know the Father. To know the Father is to know me. We know Jesus talked about that unity he had with the Father. The great counselor. The advice that we get directly from God. And that's what we led through our Bible study. We were talking through our Bible study this morning. That by faith, Moses did things. It was by his faith. And we're in Hebrews chapter 11, obviously. And by faith, these people did things. Why? Because they had the great counselor. Why should we listen? God created the heavens and the earth. Why should we listen? Because unto us, a son is given. Wonderful counselor. He is giving us advice through his son. Jesus lived his example through the gospels. Lived his life that we would be a pattern and follow that. One of the repeated pieces of advice Jesus gave people during his ministry was what? We can read it in John 5, 14. We can also read it in John 8 and 11. Go and sin no more. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Go and sin no more. Don't make excuses for it. Don't try to improve it or explain it away. Sin isn't going to go away on its own. We must deal with it. We must um, deal with it. We must confront it. And the only way we can deal effectively with sin is to realize that only the wonderful counselor can help us remove sin's power and guilt. Paul said it this way. We peak. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24? We preach Christ crucified. He is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but those to whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus is that wonderful counselor because he is the power and he is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the one who can give us the power to help us overcome sin. And the wisdom to know how to deal with our sins when we fall prey to them. The counselors of this world can help you with your problems, but they can only help you so much. By contrast, Jesus, the wonderful counselor, has the ability to help us deal with the root, the real cause or the root of our problems. What does Hebrews tell us? Hebrews 4 and 15 tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. But yet he was without sin. <coughs> Pardon me. You see, Jesus understands our problems. He's sympathetic to our failures. But he's also too good a counselor to just let us do what we want and ignore the consequences. He knows our problems and he has counsel to help us deal with our sins. The key, of course, is this. Listen to him and follow his advice. If you love me, keep my commandments. What is the greatest commandment? To love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, being, and self. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. So, have you done this? Have you let Jesus be your counselor? Have you asked for his guidance in your lives? Have you asked for his advice for your problems? Obviously, the only way we're going to see his guidance and his advice is by studying the word of God. By looking at the examples of how Jesus dealt with people. By reading God's word and seeing his advice and his plan for us. As it says in the Old Testament, letting his word be a path unto our way. I'd like you to consider this test that a old preacher once gave his congregation. <coughs> Pardon me. Self-evaluation, he's called it self-evaluation. He said, I listen to and follow the counsel and advice of Jesus Christ as I make the daily decisions in the affairs of my life. He says, you would think about this, mentally think of the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. He says, if you don't listen hardly to Jesus at all, if you don't listen to the advice that Jesus offers us, then mentally in your head, circle 1, 2, or 3. If you listen sometimes to the advice that God and Jesus give through God's word. Circle the numbers somewhere between four and seven. You can either circle a four, five, six, or seven. If you listen most of the time, you can circle eight or nine. And if you listen all the time, if every decision you're making in your life, if you refer to God's word and think, what would Jesus do? What would God do? How should I handle this situation? Circle 10. We know that we have a counselor who is able to deal gently with us. One who is sympathetic to our weaknesses. But we need to first listen to his advice. What does he say in Mark 16 and 16? Whosoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whosoever does not believe will be condemned. Today, we need to listen to Jesus. We need to hear him every day in our lives. <coughs> Pardon me. If we do not read and study from God's word, we are not getting the advice that God and Jesus has given us. Have you made that decision yet to become a Christian? We know that we have the opportunity 
Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Though people back in Acts asked, what shall we do to be saved? We know the advice was repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. We know that in Romans, it tells us that we need to be buried with him in baptism to walk in newness of life. We think about what Jesus has done for us, the advice he's given us. We don't make these words up. When we can read the reason that we find it important in our sermons to use chapter and verse, we know it's God's words, God's advice. It is the counselor giving us advice to run our life. So as we reflect and we know in the, the um, secular world or, you know, just all of us, we know that, you know, we wish a Merry Christmas to individuals. We, you know, if you think of this time period, people think of Jesus being born. Unto us, a child is given. But we know that I want to emphasize this morning that when Jesus came, whatever day it was, when Jesus was born, we know that he is and was that great counselor. He came as a mighty counselor. May we seek from God's word what we need to do. May we follow that advice given in God's word. May we be inspired to encourage one another to follow God's word. May we be encouraged to read ourselves, to study, to take the time to pray to God and ask his guidance in our lives that we could follow the advice of that mighty counselor. We know that the only way that we have a chance of heaven, we look at Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus sadly talks about being prepared, those first 10 verses of the virgins, some were prepared, some not. Today in our lives, he is using that example, that advice to look at us today in our lives. That we need to be prepared because we do not know when the bridegroom cometh. And that was his whole point of saying that in Matthew 25. I would encourage you to read that again and look at a prepared people. Then we look at the rest of that. When we talk unto that, you know, and people say, well, I was doing these things that you've said. And Jesus said, unless you do that to the least of my brothers. And then he talks about the parting right and left. We know that we want to be with those that have that promise of eternal life. We know that we look at that. And that is our goal this morning, to follow that advice. So if you are in need of the invitation, we ask that, you know, you consider and ponder this in your life and turn unto God before it is too late. That is what we ask. And at this time, we will sing our song of invitation.